Good morning and welcome to church. We're so excited that you could gather with us from wherever you're watching from. If this is your first time joining us, we'd love to start a conversation, answer any questions you might have, or give you more information. Simply text HELLO to 587-323-1199 and we'll reply right back. Thanks for joining us and we hope you have a great day. Good morning. Pastor Doug, and isn't that an infectious song? Really gets you going. So I want to welcome everyone online and in person. It's so good to see so many faces, so many partial faces here this morning. It's awesome, even if they're kind of hidden. And we're especially thrilled to see you if you're here for the very first time. We've uh, genuinely missed having everybody here, and we'd love for you to join us in person again. You know, we're taking all the the necessary uh, safety precautions for those individuals and families who are are back, and and now children as well coming back. It's very exciting, but we we also understand if if you can't, if you're watching online and you can't join us in person. There is, however, something very powerful and important about worshiping together and experiencing God's presence as a community and encouraging and helping each other. And we'd love for you to to be back with us. So I was talking to, to one family and they said, you know, we take these precautions to go to the store. We take all these precautions to go to work and to go other places. So why can't we come to church, and, and it was a really good point, so we, uh, we welcome you this morning. Um, today we're continuing our series uh, from the book of Philippians, and the title of my message is Walking on Sunshine, and the phrase walking on sunshine, where, where does that, what does that even mean? Where did that even come from? So it generally means that life is good, or, or you're in love, or you're in a state of euphoria, or extreme happiness, and And the phrase is actually, believe it or not, fairly new to culture. It only goes back about 35 years ago or so and can mostly be traced to a song from the 1980s. And this particular song, because of its happy, upbeat title and melody, it's one of the highest grossing licensed songs in the entire world because people from all cultures and all languages relate to it and enjoy it. And when I hear it, when I personally hear it, I can't help but be brought back over 33 years ago, Valentine's Day 1987. And it was a Saturday morning and I had driven all night from Portland, Oregon to Plummer, Idaho but I was truly walking on sunshine because less than 24 hours earlier, I had skipped class, I had gone to Costco, and I had purchased an engagement ring. And I had it with me, and I was visiting a very special person, my girlfriend, Tina. And I was walking on sunshine because I had a girl, I had a ring, and I had a plan. You see, we were going to go to a bridal show in Spokane, then visit her cousin, go out to dinner, 
And then I was going to propose to her that evening overlooking the beautiful lights of the city. But there were threatening clouds gathering. You see, there remained one obstacle, one thing that could foil my sunshine walk, and that was her father. You see, it was about 7.30 a.m., and he was still in bed and kind of grumpy, but I absolutely needed his blessing to marry his daughter. And just so you know, he was a U.S. Marine, so he ate bullets for breakfast, he blew up things for relaxation, and I had a very healthy fear of him. So I mustered all the courage that my skinny 23-year-old frame could, and I looked in the room, and I cleared my throat to get his attention, and I half squeaked out, "Uh, excuse me, sir, I I brought a ring with me and would like permission to marry your daughter. After a long pause that seemed like eternity, and with sweat dripping off my brow, he mumbled, just take another look at her mother and make sure that's what you really want. (laughs) Wow. He said yes. At At least I thought he said yes. And with that, the clouds parted, and I was back walking on sunshine again. And the book of Philippians is all about joy, walking on sunshine, so to speak. No matter what clouds or obstacles or circumstances stand in our way, Paul mentions the word joy 13, 14 times. And today we'll look at chapter 4 and verse 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice So Paul doesn't specifically use the word joy in this verse, yet he does because the word rejoice simply means to re-joy or to have joy again, like restart or review. And the idea of rejoicing is so important to Paul that he repeats it multiple times in this one short verse. And so The Doug paraphrase goes something like this. Have joy in the Lord, have joy in the Lord again, and I will say it again, have joy in the Lord, and have joy in the Lord again. So really, in this short little verse, Paul is telling us four times how important it is to rejoice always, always, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And the lesson we'll learn today from this verse is so, so powerful. I would have to say it's one of the most important strategies my wife and I have learned, and we try to put it into practice as often as we can. And if you grab a hold of it this morning, it will be a life changer for you as well. So this is not joy or rejoice as in just a happy feeling. 
It's a much deeper than, it's much deeper than that. It, it doesn't depend on our circumstances. And it doesn't depend how good or how bad things are around us is what Paul is trying to get across to the church in Philippi. You see, Philippi was a very important city and it was part of the Roman Empire in Eastern Macedonia. Today, it's actually located in Greece. And it was named after Philip II. And Philip II was the father of Alexander the Great. And it was a well sought after city because surrounding the city were many, many gold mines. And it was also a very strategic harbor. It was also the site of the famous Roman Civil War, the Battle of Philippi, where over 200,000 soldiers fought and over 40,000 died. But years later, after Jesus' death and resurrection and after the day of Pentecost, Paul established an important church there on his first journey. But because of the strong Greek history and the very significant Roman influence, there was a lot of resistance to the gospel and a lot of persecution of Christians. And Acts 16 tells the story of some of that harsh persecution involving Paul and Silas. And this morning we're gonna see what some eyewitnesses of that event had to say about it. We were a group of women outside the city gate by the river at a place of prayer. Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from Thyatira was also there. Two men came along and started to speak to us and asked to join us in prayer. We later learned that they were Paul and Silas. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to heed Paul's message. She and all the members of her household were baptized. Another day, Paul and Silas were on their way to a place of prayer. They were met by a female slave who had a spirit in her that could predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed us and shouted at us. This was disrupting and so Paul ordered the spirit out of her. When her owners realized that their chance of making money was gone, they dragged Paul and Silas to the authorities and they were put in prison. At around midnight, these two very positive prisoners named Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The rest of us were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the prison shook. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, saw all the doors open and drew his sword to kill himself. He thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul assured him and shouted that he should not harm himself. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and lay in front of them, trembling. The jailer accepted Jesus Christ and his whole family was baptized. So the Philippians understood the power of rejoicing in every situation. They understood the power of praise because they had seen it firsthand in Paul's life. They knew very well the story of when him and Silas were imprisoned and then how they began to praise and worship God and their miraculous release. They also heard the incredible story of how Paul and Silas reacted 
not grumbling, not complaining, not with anger and bitterness towards those who beat and imprison them, not full of fear and full of anxiety, but rather choosing joy, choosing to rejoice, choosing to sing and praise God in the most difficult and unlikely circumstances. And what was the result of them choosing to praise and worship God? After all that had happened to them, they engaged God in their situation. They're rejoicing despite the circumstances, activated their faith and trust in God, causing the prison walls to be shaken and their chains to fall off. But more importantly, the jailer and his entire family were saved and baptized. Our choosing to praise and worship God when we're faced with difficult situations engages God and cause him and heaven's army to intervene on our behalf. But it's a choice, our choosing to praise and worship God. And what an incredible sequence of events. I want you to put yourselves in their shoes. So you've been telling people the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection. And you've just cast a demon out of a young lady setting her free. And all of a sudden, people are furious with you. And they have you whipped and they have you beaten and they have you chained up and thrown in prison. Are you in pain and hurting? Yeah, for sure. Are you angry at the injustice of your situation? Probably. Are you upset with those that imprisoned you? Yeah, you very well might be. But how do you react? How is your attitude? How are your actions? I can't say mine would be great, but they choose to praise and rejoice in this incredibly difficult situation. They crank up the Spotify on their phones and they lift their hands and they sing and worship God and all the other prisoners and the jailer, he, jailer hear them and they can't believe it. So wow, when that happens, they engage God and they engage his angels. Likewise, we should learn that our first reaction, our first reaction to bad circumstances should be to run to God, to rejoice in him, to praise him because it shows we have confidence that God will redeem our situation for his glory and for our good if we trust him. What an incredible perspective. Think about it. No matter what we go through in life, no matter how hard what you go through or what you're going through, if we learn and if we choose to rejoice and praise and trust God in the middle of our circumstances, we engage him and he fights on our behalf to redeem that situation for his glory and for our good. Wow, somebody say amen. 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 So there was an old prophet from long ago who was so upset about the horrible circumstances he found himself in. So he was in a place where the evil people seemed to be winning and there was destruction and violence 
and, ju- and no justice, and it sounds a lot like today. And so he has all of these concerns and complaints, but what does he do? He goes to God with them. And eventually, as he gets a revelation of God's goodness, how how incredible God is, and he begins to praise God and worship him and focus on his greatness, he comes to this conclusion. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Wow. One thing I know is I'm glad I wasn't a farmer back then. But how incredible, in the middle of a horrible economy, in the middle of a a famine, in the middle of a time when there seemed to be nothing but evil and violence and destruction, he chose to rejoice because he had a revelation of God's goodness. And verse 19 tells us about that revelation says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. He chose to worship God and he got a revelation of God that says, I will walk, I will not stand still in fear, I will not stand still in terror, I will not be frozen and not able to move forward, but because I trust God, because I've, made, got, I've gotten a revelation of God, I can go forward. He chose to praise and trust God and go forward, not to stand still, and be stuck in that fear. So what do we do? What do I do? What do we do when we face difficult situations? What do we do when we're stuck in fear and anxiety? We find an incredible story in 2 Chronicles 20. And it's a story of one of the good kings of Israel and Judah and how he responds to fear and a seemingly impossible situation. And here's the sequence of events. So messengers come and tell Jehoshaphat that there's a massive army. Actually, it was three armies. It was like this evil alliance that had formed. And they were marching against God's people. And they're getting close. And the king... He's terrified by this news. But look at what the first thing he does is. Is it to call together his generals? Is it to call together his trusted advisors? Is it to come up with a battle plan and a defensive strategy? No. The first thing he does is to go to God and pray and ask for his help. And all of the people join together with him in prayer and fasting. 
So he leads them in prayer and praising God, and he says with great faith, faith, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. What an amazing response. What an incredible response. And he continues, he says, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So he acknowledged their weakness. He acknowledged their weakness, but more important, he praised and he thanks God for God's wisdom and God's strength. Then one of the leaders stands up and says to the entire congregation and to the king, he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. Then Jehoshaphat knelt down, bowing with his face to the ground, and all Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping God. The Levites stood to their feet to praise God, the God of Israel. They praised at the top of their lungs. And then, the next day, when the huge, terrifying army is within reach of them, Jehoshaphat leads his army out, but he strategically places the worship team and the choir So the guitarists, the bass player, the keyboard player, the drummer, the violinist, he goes and he sets them in front of the army. And they were so excited to be the first ones to encounter the chariots and the swords and the spears and the enemy. And that's not normal because usually armies would have the soldiers yelling and chanting and singing as they charged into battle. But Jehoshaphat did it this way because his entire dependence was on God. His dependence was not on his army, not on their strength, but he was engaging God and his strength. He was engaging heaven's armies and let's see what the outcome is. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, The Lord caused the armies to start fighting among themselves, and not a single one of the enemy escaped. Jehoshaphat's first reaction in an overwhelming situation, a fearful, terrifying situation, was to go to God in prayer and in praise. They were his strongest weapons. Sure, He took his army with him, but his first response was to trust God in prayer and humble himself and the entire nation before God in praise. Rejoicing and praising God shows that we are trusting and relying on him. It shows our surrender to him. Did you know that this is a universal sign of surrender. 
It could be an army surrendering, showing that they have no weapons, showing they have no strength in themselves, surrendering to someone more powerful. And we see a picture of some soldiers here, World War II, who were surrendering, showing that they had no power, no weapons, nothing. They were giving up to something more powerful, surrendering to someone or something more powerful than them. Did you know that this is also a sign of worship? It's a sign of surrender to God showing him that we have no strength in ourselves and that our strength and abilities are not great enough. We are asking God for help and we are engaging him. Worship team, if you guys can come back up, please. So in chapter five, of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. He's giving some final advice as he talks to them about how to live in a dark and difficult culture. And here's what he says. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty serious. Does Paul say, rejoice, pray, give thanks, unless you're afraid or unless things are so bad that you can't? No, he says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks always. So we rejoice and we praise God for what he's done. In the past, we rejoice and praise him for what he's doing in the present and what he will do in the future. And we can overcome the trial, the circumstances, the fear of what we are going through if we will maintain our trust and faith and rejoicing in the middle of it. You know, I distinctly remember many times in my family's life that we put this into practice. There was one time where Pastor Nathan was a little baby. I I know it's hard to imagine, but he was, and he was so sick. And the doctor had done everything he could and didn't know what was wrong. And after about five days of this, they said if he didn't show any improvement, he would have to be hospitalized the next day. So I clearly remember that Tina and I went into his room late at night while he was sleeping and we began to pray and praise and worship, acknowledging that we had no more strength, that we didn't have the answers, that we had no more ability in this situation, that we needed God to move, that we needed his touch and we felt something break. We felt a shift. And the next morning, Nathan was completely healed. Another time, thanks, Ari. <laughs> Another time was when my wife was initially diagnosed with MS. And as we left that doctor's office, the fear and anxiety and terror hit us like a ton of bricks. 
but we knew what we had to do. So we stumbled back to the car and we prayed and we headed for home. And when we got there, we turned on the praise and worship music and we acknowledged God's greatness, that he was awesome, that he was Lord over the situation, that he was her healer. The fear was crippling at times, but we chose to praise and worship God and engage God and the armies of heaven to see God fight and come through for her. And the most recent was two years ago when I was called into my boss's office and after 12 years working for that company, I was laid off and it completely blindsided me totally caught me off guard and I left his office stunned shocked and it was the end of the day so I grabbed my stuff and I headed home and as soon as I got there my wife and I we turned on the worship music and we began to rejoice and praise God that he was our supplier that no matter how long this took that he would look after us and care for us, that he would open another door because he had closed this door. And over the nine months, our faith was greatly tested. It wasn't easy and it was hard and many times discouraging and fear would always try to sneak in. But we continued to rejoice always, pray always and give thanks always. And it's a vivid memory of our entire family, the number of times that Tina and I with Nathan and Jillian and Brittany would gather in our living room over a difficult situation and we would take it to God in praise and worship and prayer as a family. By doing so, we were allowing God's perfect will to be done. And we were allowing him to work in that situation, allowing him to engage heaven on our behalf for his glory and for our good. There's not a greater lesson you can learn yourselves and not a greater lesson you can teach your children or grandchildren that when things are difficult, when we need help and answers, go to God in prayer and praise first and see him engaged in your seemingly impossible situation and difficult circumstances. So what is your impossible situation today? What is it today? Is it a broken marriage? Is it a broken relationship with a family member? Is it cancer or a health concern? Is it the loss of a job or a financial need? Is it fear and anxiety over COVID? As pastors, we've seen such a stronghold that the fear of COVID has over people's lives, including many Christians. And I want you to know this morning that COVID has not replaced God on the throne. He's still God and He is still all-powerful. Shut off the news. Shut off the TV. 
We still need to be wise. We still need to not be careless or foolish. But stop letting the fear and the anxiety paralyze you. Stop letting it get a grip on your family and your children. Many parents and teachers and children are terrified about going back to school in the fall. But God is greater. Take your concerns to God and engage Him in the situation. Fear and anxiety must flee in God's presence. Begin to worship and praise Him about every circumstance, no matter how impossible they may seem. In conclusion this morning, we will, will we always see the answers we want? Not necessarily. Will God always come through exactly the way we think He should? No, not necessarily. But if we, during the difficult, scary, and seemingly impossible times, if we take our concerns to Him in prayer and rejoice and praise Him, in spite of them, we will be engaging God, engaging heaven, and engaging His perfect will for that situation. We will rejoice and be walking on sunshine no matter how dark the storm and the clouds around us seem. Amen? Amen. In just a few seconds, we're going to praise and worship together, and we're going to take all of our fear. I want you to literally take all of your fear of the circumstances and the anxieties and the uncertainty, and I want you to surrender them to God. I want you to praise and worship and acknowledge God and engage Him and the armies of heaven on your behalf this morning. But just before we do, if you have never ever turned your life and your struggles and your fear over to Jesus and you've never invited Him into your world, never invited Him into your life, never invited Him into your seemingly impossible situation, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And I want you just to bow your heads and you can quietly repeat it after me. If this is what your cry is this morning, if this is what you want this morning, I want you to repeat after me. So Jesus, I invite you into my broken life and my broken world. I invite you into my fear, into my anxiety. I invite you into my heart. I believe you died and were resurrected for all of my failures and sins. Please forgive me for trying to do life all on my own without you. Thank you for a fresh start this morning. If this is the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, we invite you to text LIFE to 587-323-1199. Or you know what? You can just come up at the end of the service and we would gladly pray with you. If there's anything in your life that has you in fear, that has you in anxiety, that has you weighed down, 
we want to pray with you this morning and see God break through in your life. So we're going to worship and praise God as we sing this song. It's a very significant song. I want you to look at the words you're singing, and I want you to mean it this morning, and I want you to see God break through in your situation. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any further questions or are in need of assistance, don't hesitate to contact the church office. You can find more information on our website at calvarycommunity.ca. And as always, you can join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. on our Facebook and YouTube page or at calvarycommunity.ca live. We'll see you next week.